Hello and welcome to Animation One-to-Ones from Squiggly.com. I'm Steve Henderson, and this is a brand new podcast series that does what we do best here at Squiggly, interviewing the great and the good from the world of animation. On this podcast, you'll hear both brand new interviews and extended interviews from the written content on the site. You'll also be able to watch some of these interviews over on our YouTube channel and listen to them. So head over there and subscribe today. Our first guest is Eric O, director of Opera, a film currently competing for Best Animated Short at the 2021 Academy Awards. Eric is no stranger to animation, having worked extensively at Pixar before recently leaving and collaborating with Tonko House. In Opera, the audience is treated to a cyclical view of society, and it's one of those films that really needs to be experienced on the biggest screen possible, because it brings together the excess and drama of Renaissance masterpieces alongside that technical brilliance that can only be achieved in animation. It's a marvellous piece of work, and we're delighted to be joined by Erico for our first animation one-to-one. So, over to the interview. first thing uh, I want to talk about is the nature of the film. It's like a huge art installation, a moving painting it's been, that's taking place on this. It looks like it needs to be on a ginormous canvas. Um, and the work, obviously, to relate to canvases, it reminds me of Hieronymus Bosch. There's a lot of uh, a garden of earthly delights quality to it. Perhaps we could start by talking about the, the artistic side of things and the cyclical nature of the animation. True, yeah. So the, the opera reflects the human society life and history. And then as soon as I had that idea, I realized that, oh, maybe I cannot tell this story in a very linear conventional format. I need something more. And then so that naturally led me to think about this cycle looping cycle format of the story structure, and then also the gigantic canvas. So it is definitely designed to be watched either in the uh, huge IMAX theater in that environment or spacious uh, experience. So yeah, that's that's opera. I can I could watch the film so many times and, and have a different experience every single time watching it because it's so huge. Uh, there's a lot of society being placed under the microscope in the film. There's so much to take in. There's life, there's death, there's a balance, there's injustices. Can you tell me more about the urge from you as a director to show all these sides of society in the film? Sure. So this piece took us about four years to complete. It was a four years of a marathon. And then that means I first came up the core idea of, of opera four years ago. And then um, the world around us at this point, at this current stage, is not very cool. A um, lot of social issues. We are surrounded by a lot of chaotic like um, issues and problems around the world. I'm not just talking about American society, just all, all over the globe. And then um, I've been always constantly uh, thinking about that for uh, you know during my entire career. You know, thinking about I'm going to someday start talking about it because as an artist, as a human being, I've been feeling so much of weight and responsibility. So um, four years ago, finally, uh, I was able to sit down on my desk and start designing, not really thinking about the budget, 
or uh, overall planning, I'm just going to get down to it. I'm not going to compromise this time because this story has to be told um, so that people can uh, find themselves and uh, you know this piece could bring you some awareness so that we could talk about it, think about it, and hopefully make the, uh, our life better. Um, so yeah, the, the whole piece includes so many parts of our life. Um, that includes, of course, beautiful and magical and, and uh, bright things, but at the same time, a lot of scary, horrifying, uh, you know, terrifying things as well, which is all part of our life. Absolutely, and beautifully uh, portrayed through characters in the film. You can point to certain characters that are kind of, from, from my point of view as a viewer, they are highlighting injustices. So you have the king, you have the scribe, you have various executioners, uh, interestingly, uh, killing people who are different or that may show signs of diversity and things like that. And then the servants that are running around. Perhaps we could talk a little bit about the, what the characters represent. Well, um, so the, one of the interesting features and, and things about opera is that we don't have one main character. Uh, it's either everybody is the main character or none of them is the main character. And that's how I actually view, the, view our uh, human society as well. Like who does really lead just one singular story of humanity, right? So as a whole, I lo love to call the characters as main characters. So there are... Um, some still individuals, as you said, there are kings and there are prisoners and there are um, um, people who are worshiping the gods and there are huge fish. But one of the things I love to point out is that I've been, I really wanted to blur the boundaries between good and evil or uh, good or right. So for example, some of the char uh, characters who get uh, abused and, and executed just because they are different, um, of course, that's the, that's the wrong thing. But the problem is I don't, I'm not also standing on their sides as well. Like how I'm doing this is that they sneak out and they become terrorists and they do the same thing to the people who've been doing that to them as well. So this kind of like vicious cycle of like two sides or multiple sides doing the same thing to one another. That's what I wanted to objectively, hopefully reflect, you know, um, our life, part of our society. Uh, very well, very well put as well in the film. I can't, go by without, you've mentioned it, the giant fish. Uh, right. Fish are prominent throughout your work, uh, throughout your illustration and throughout your, uh, your previous films as well. I've got to ask. <laughs> What's fish? Yeah. So um, yeah, usually um, most of, yeah, you're totally right. Thank you for uh, you know pointing that out because I use a lot of symbolisms and, and like objects and, and there's my own go-to um, object as well, such as fish. And also some poops too. I use a lot of poops as well, just for fun. Um, but fish here stands for mother nature. Um, so one of the things I also wanted to touch upon through opera was pollution and uh, how we are destroying this nature and nature is um, sort of striking us back. I truly believe that this coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 is sort of a message from the mother nature as well. Um, but it's heartbreaking to see how the nature is getting, getting destroyed because our um, selfish human being. And then, so here in the world of opera, the entire time, all the people living in this world of opera uh, feed themselves by eating this huge gigantic whale, uh, the fish. So fish in the morning, fresh new uh, newborn fish, but by the end of the 
uh, um, uh, sun, sun setting nighttime, it's just nothing but bones, right? So, um, and then the, the, the greed and this wrong desire um, gets into the climax where people start killing people, kill each other in the war. And then that's when the, the, all the crazy things happening all at once, all like things lining up. And that's when actually the new uh, whale, the fish comes out of the pond and eat everyone up. So that stands for uh, natural disaster. And then what's interesting is when sun comes up again, as if nothing ever happened, people put the, the fish in the, in, their, in the fridge and they start eating them up. So ironically, mother nature and people are eating each other up day and night, like this vicious cycle. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so how was the film made? Uh, I, I presume traditional 2D animation was involved, uh, but it must have been very difficult to keep on top of all the connections. I think I spotted a few tricks here and there and places where there would have been uh, overlaps. That's the animation nerd in me, I must apologize. Um, but it looked like a monumental task to accomplish and it's a great achievement. Uh, thank you. Um, so surprisingly, we didn't use any high-end, high technology <laughs> on this. Uh, the way the, the opera came to world was really by traditional 2D animation. So of course, everything was done in digital, but everything you saw from the screen is all hand-painted like by artists. So none of them is CG generated. Um, so of course, according to, uh, in order to make that happen, the planning was the key, like upfront pre-production planning and, and coming up with the master plan of this complete perfect blueprint. That was the key to the success, I guess. Otherwise, we could have gone to so many multiple directions and not being able to get this out of the world. So uh, it, I took, it took me about almost half a year to come up with this one singular drawing that has every story in it um, with my rough drawings. And, and I drew a lot, wrote a lot, and it was almost like doing the puzzles. We have this section vignette over here and this gonna impact this area. Oh, actually, no, it doesn't make sense. This has to stay over here. Oh, maybe entire left and right should play and then have an up and down. So at my first attempt was to come up with the list of the stories I'd love to tell. There are about 24 sections. Um, I think there could be more because some of the section can be combined as one big sections too, right? So, and then the next phase was, again, puzzle piecing. Like, where does this story go to, you know, certain sections? So that's how we did it, you know? And then after that, like full on, dividing into different groups and sections and, and distributed to the, uh, assigned to the different animators and start animating, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, you previously worked at, uh, at Pixar, working on uh, lots of well-known yes. uh, films and mm -hmm. uh, features, short films and features. Uh, and you moved on from Pixar, you collaborate a lot with uh, fantastic Tonko House, mm -hmm. uh, who you thank in the credits of the film. Do you feel that collaborating with smaller studios, with collectives, um, and uh, moving away from the larger studio environment gives you greater flexibility, greater artistic flexibility. I mean, could a film like Opera have been made at Pixar? Um, my short answer would be no, <laughs> because, because, so to be fair, I was designing the world of Opera when I was still at Pixar. 
So it was that long time ago. So I was designing, and that is why um, in the credit, a lot of Pixar artists were involved because they were literally sitting right next to me in my next office. Hey, you want to animate one of the shots? So it was really the whole journey started that way um, as a really voluntarily like work out of like love and passion. Um, so when I first, okay, you know, came up with this, the world of opera, of course I thought about it. Oh, should I pitch this to Pixar because I am here? Um, but then, and then I immediately realized that uh, this thing should, shouldn't be compromised. I want this to become out as is, you know? Of course with Pixar, something else, who knows? We could, we could get into another phase where we could, this could be upgrade to a format that could appeal to more broader audience or something more familiar to, to the, the mass audience but I realized that that may not be what I want, you know, at least for this piece. So instead of going to Pixar, I immediately just started in, as an independent project. Yeah. You must be very excited to be, uh, to be up for an Oscar, obviously up, up against Pixar, ironically enough, uh, with a very Pixar film against a very non-Pixar film. That is very true. Yeah. How's, the, how's the, uh, the excitement building? Yeah, I mean, it, even 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 Maddie, like, yeah, we used to work together, so it's a very fun, um, interesting feeling. And if we were on the on the day, we were texting each other, "Hey, congrats! We, <laughs> I'm so glad that we are experiencing this together." Um, so wait, wait, what was the question again? Sorry about that. So oh, just, you must yeah. be you must be called. Oh, you know, right, right. Excitement of being uh, nominated for for an Academy Award with your film. Ah, oh, of course, I'm over the moon. I mean, um, it took me a couple of days to fully realize that, oh, it's not a dream. I thought I was living a long, you know, three day long, like realistic dream. Um, it's extra meaningful. Um, of course, personally, it's crazy, right? Incredible. But the more I think about it, how far opera was able to come, like, and I get this much of recognition from Academy, means a lot to me if, if this wasn't my film if something like this get nominated or recognized by the oscar i'll be so inspired because this is so different you know um academy um it's just my opinion but tends to um spotlight some uh, um like animations that's very what should i say true to traditional cinema storytelling and then that was why I was kind of afraid that even if we put a lot of love and there are a lot of like great messages there, would they recognize it? But they actually did. So that really uh, made me think, oh, I was the one who was kept in my stereotype, you know, towards Academy. They were much more open-minded. So, and then I think this could be a very um, positive impact to both creators and also the audience because for creators, they will be much more encouraged and inspired to try more things and then, and then um, challenge ourselves to try new things, thinking out of the box and push more of this beautiful medium of animation. Animation shouldn't be just that way. It could be much more uh, potentials. It could be many more different um, forms. And on the other hand, even the audience as well. Audience maybe, I'm talking about general audience out there, maybe so familiar with Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks and all those beautiful animation, of course, but that's not the only way. There could be much more, many more open ways to experience animation. So yeah, hopefully this could, again, give some nice message to uh, the people out there and in the industry. Fingers well and truly crossed. Yeah. Um, so you're now working uh, through 
uh, Tonko House. Uh, you're working, uh, collaborating with uh, uh, Bobab Studios on Namu, which has been announced. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about uh, Namu? So basically, Opera was completed almost a year ago because the opera was first premiered in Hiroshima Animation Festival last summer. So prior to a couple of months, we had to just get the film done. So as soon as the opera was done, I moved on to my next project, Namu, um, which is a VR project. It was my first VR project. And I've been actually interested in using VR for a long, long time. As soon as VR became a hot potato, ah, I want to tell something through that amazing medium of VR. And I've been searching for what type of story really fits to that medium. And then magically the story that's been sitting in my deepest, my closet for a long, long time um, came to uh, uh, my, I don't know, mind, which is some of the stories I kind of already wrote when I lost my grandfather a long, long time ago. So it is not a, exactly the story about my grandfather, but the story inspired my, um, my grandfather's passing. When my grandfather was gone, that really got me thinking a lot about meaning of life. What, where do we come from? Where, where do we go? What's really the purpose and meaning of life? So I came up with this idea of following the footstep of this one character from a birth to the last chapter of his life. And he's actually growing his own tree. But this tree isn't just a typical tree. It is a tree of memory, tree of all the objects and, and your memories get hung on this tree and becomes your, your tree. So that's the concept. And then because the idea should be very spiritual journey, I thought just the way I thought about opera shouldn't be just locked up in this, you know, monitor as the screen. It should be much more uh, spatial experience. I thought the same thing to Namu as well. Um, this should, the audience should be part of this story. You know, you should be sitting, when it rains, you should be underneath the rain as well. When, it, when the thunderstorm comes, you should be in the center of thunderstorm too. And then it will give you a whole other storytelling experience too. So that's Namu, it went a little long. Um, um, but um, yeah, I was um, thankfully was able to collaborate with Baobab Studios, who are one of the best VR studios in the world. So um, I pitched this story to to Marine and then the, the head of the Eric Darnell, and then they bought up this idea and it, let's do it together. So that happened uh, last year, and then it just um, got finished early this year, and it was able to be premiered in Sundance. Um, thankfully, this January. So yeah, that's Namu. Fantastic. And so what's next? So currently, and then again, Namu, as soon as Namu was done, <laughs> uh, moved on to the next project, which is uh, back to my family, Tonko House, um, Dyson Robert and all those folks and, and Tonko House, I really think of them as my family. And then I've been sort of like, you know, in and out a couple of times and I'm, I'm, I'm considering myself as a part-time director at Tonko House now. Um, so basically Dyson Sumi, He's working on this wonderful Netflix show called Oni that has been announced um, publicly. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a story inspired by Japanese folktale and inspired by um, Dice's personal, uh, um, his, his life and also his uh, experience with his, uh, um, himself as a son and, uh, and himself as a father. Um, he's a father of a 10 year old or something, you know, five years, I don't know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm losing track. So it's a beautiful story. It's a father and daughter story. I don't think I can spoil too much about the synopsis that, through this, but so Dice is the show runner. He's the main creator of the entire show. 
and I'm one of the uh, episode directors. So um, I'm, I'm helping Dice to tell this um, story of, of father and daughter. Yeah. Fantastic. It's great to see Tonko House grow so much. We uh, first covered them when they, when they first started. We interviewed them when they were literally sticking the paneling up on the wall in their first studio. So it's delightful to hear that they're, they're flourishing and doing uh, such amazing work. Obviously, a couple of years ago, uh, you uh, you gave them a crystal uh, yes, on uh, yes. the uh, the Dam Keeper Tales uh, at Annecy. Um, so back to opera, you can watch the film many times and have a different experience each time you watch opera uh, by following different uh, different stories, different sections. But as a director, what do you want people to take away from the film? Very important question. Thank you for asking. So. Um, it could, the, the piece of opera could up, come across as very depressing piece, honestly. You know, there are not, instead of like more prominent things that could come to, I don't know, grab audiences' attention could be some of the dark things, you know, even though, but what I'm trying to do is actually to help the audience to find some hopeful messages by themselves. So I'm not thinking, I don't think this is spoon feeding the message of hope, um, but by reflecting and showing uh, like our life and then showing, help us witness the reflection of who we are. I wish audience could ask ourselves and themselves about, oh, that's who we are. Like, where are we? Where do we go? Like, uh, what do we, are we really learning from the past? Are we, aren't we stuck in this like cycle? How can we get out of here? How can we move forward? How can we make our life better? So that's really the, hopefully, you know, a message I love to convey through the world of opera. Fantastic. Eriko, thank you very much for talking to Squiggly today. And thank you for sharing so much insight into your work and your film, Opera. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you'd like to see more from Eriko, you can do so on his website, erico.com. Eric's also available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Opera is currently screening alongside the other Oscar-nominated shorts for a very limited period and in limited regions over at shorts.tv slash the Oscars shorts. Don't forget to follow Squiggly on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Like and subscribe our YouTube channel for more animation videos. And for the latest news, reviews, interviews and podcasts from the world of animation, head over to squiggly.com.